The Mom Hour is brought to you by The Essential Calendar. Sarah, this is our favorite calendar for busy moms because its beautiful and simple design shows around three months at a time. Yeah, and with summer fast approaching, now is a great time to get The Essential Calendar and see what I've been raving about all these years. Get 10% off your order at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour. That's 10% off at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour. Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Sarah. We're two moms with eight kids between us from preschool to teen. This is the show where we help you feel better about the mom you are and share our own parenting tips and personal stories. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers, and today I am flying without my co-host, Megan Francis, because today I'm excited to bring you one of our bonus interview episodes. So as you know, once a month, we uh, bring you an interview with somebody think we think you'll love hearing from, um, a mom with a story to share and some advice to offer. And it's just really fun for Megan and me to chat with other moms while continuing to bring you our weekly episodes that are just the two of us chatting about all things motherhood and family life. So um, welcome to our new listeners. I'm recording this at the beginning of 2017, and we know from our downloads that there are just a bunch bunch of new listeners joining us in the new year, and we're so thankful for that. So if this is the first interview episode you've heard, I would love for you to go back into our archives and check out the others. Again, it's kind of a, a, a separate series that we do. Our normal format is just Megan and myself, um, but this is the eighth in our bonus interview series, and I know you're going to enjoy it, and you can find all of our bonus interviews at themomhour.com. So I'm really excited to introduce you to our interview for today with Donia Bumgarner. Donia is a writer and a blogger at nurturedmama.net, and she has a pretty incredible story to share um, with us today. She has had um, some health challenges in the last couple of years and really has some great perspective on the notion of self-care, the notion of accepting help when you need it from those around you. Um, and she's also a creative, just a creative person. She's an artist and a writer and a cook and a photographer and has just really beautiful perspective on creativity, um, both while going through hard times and also as a daily practice. So I know you're going to love my interview with Donia. Um, don't forget that everything Donia and I talk about, including some specific articles she's written um, that are so wonderfully done and great resources for other moms. Everything we chat about will be at themomhour.com. Look for bonus interview number eight. Um, and I will link to everything there, including how you can find more of Donia's work. So as you enjoy listening, don't worry about writing any of it down. Just head to themomhour.com and you'll find it all there. So thanks so much for listening, everybody. And here is my interview with Donia Bumgarner. Hi, Donia. Thanks so much for being here. Hi, so nice to be here. Thank you. Well, I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Um, let's just start by I'd love for you to share with our listeners the story that I know about you from getting to know you over the years, but um, kind of living a corporate life and leaving it rather suddenly and becoming a mom. Do you want to just kind of tell that part of your journey for our listeners? Sure. Um, yeah, this, uh, <laughs> it's such an interesting story because it was, yeah, it was sort of like 
what I thought I was going to do and then what really happened, which is really how life is, right? Yeah. So um, I worked at Apple Inc. for almost 12 years and um, it was just one of those things where I got hired at Apple when Apple was really hiring everybody. And then I thought I'd stay for a year and make some money and then go do something else because I have an art degree and that wasn't really my life path. And then there I was 11 years later, still working there. Um, And it was really good. It was a great career. I I worked as a a tester, a software tester for a while. And then I moved into project management. I was very good at it. I loved it. I was well promoted, well compensated. It was a good job. Um, but I did get really burnt out. It's a, it's a hard job too. And, um, I found myself in my late thirties, not, you know, my, my marriage had come apart and I, so I was divorced and single and didn't have the kid that I thought I was going to have when I was 20 and Mm -hmm. (laughs) not really sure where my life was going. And so I decided that I was going to leave Apple and go get an MBA and then figure out what I was going to do after that. And I had recently started seeing somebody um, and he seemed like we were going to be serious together. And mm-hmm. we had talked about, we'd actually known each other for quite some time. So, you know, having a conversation about maybe having children together someday didn't seem mm-hmm. awkward after not being together very long. <laughs> so we had talked about it. Um, and I applied to grad school. I got in, I gave my notice at work and then um, I found out I was pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> Right in the middle of all that. So um, we decided we were going to commit to being together and having this child. And um, I was going to start grad school and then see what happened. I figured I could probably take a semester off to have the baby and then go right back to it. Because, you know, I'd been working at Apple and right. working really hard. <laughs> so um, so I left my job um, when I was two and a half months pregnant. So they didn't know anything about it. And, and I pretty much spent that summer before grad school started sleeping because Mm -hmm. I was so exhausted. And, um, and then it turned out that my pregnancy was really kind of rough. I think that I was just so worn down. Um, I got sick a lot. My back went out at one point. I couldn't walk for a few weeks. Um, I did get through that semester of grad school, but by that point, I realized that I really never wanted to go back to a corporate job again. So um, I took a leave of absence just to be sure that Mm -hmm. that was really my decision. I took a leave of absence. I had my daughter um, and then I quit grad school. So So that was not how I thought my life was going to go yeah. at all. And um, all of that in the span of a year or so. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Even a little bit less than a year. Um, so yeah. So here I am now. My daughter's almost six and I am a stay-at-home mom. I never went back to school or work. <laughs> and, but, you, but you have done many, many things. But I've done other things. Yeah. yeah. So, so talk about, yeah, talk about starting Nurtured Mama, your blog, because that's right. about the point when I met you. You and I met in Megan's writing class, which listeners right. of this show have heard Megan and I talk about <laughs> and um, was just a very cool group. But um, was, was, awesome was group. Stella a baby when you decided she, to start that blog? Yeah, she was. Um, she so I think I signed up for Megan's class when she was about eight months old. And that was really the first thing I had done for myself since she was born. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like, I can't even think of the right metaphor, but let's go with a cool drink of water. Yeah. It was like 
oh my gosh, I really needed this. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even know I needed it until I did it. Um, And I thought that I would do freelance writing. That was the focus of the course. Mm -hmm. And I did some of that, but mostly it was just the act of writing. Mm -hmm. Like I just needed to be processing in Mm -hmm. a way that I hadn't processed my life since she was born. Um, And then I started thinking about, you know, what I was writing about, which was mostly how I needed to take care of myself, because if I didn't take care of myself, I couldn't take care of this baby. Mm -hmm. And, and I couldn't find a lot of things around about that. There was a lot of, you know, there was a sort of like, oh, self-care, go get your nails done. And Mm -hmm. I couldn't imagine leaving my baby long enough to do that still. Um, I was one of those attachment parents who really couldn't (laughs) leave my baby alone, which was part of the problem. Um, But I couldn't find anything about the sort of like deep self-care that I was really needing. So I started writing about it. And that was what um, my blog was about at the beginning. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the forever chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's from our O-U-R place.com code mom hour. Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready-to-eat meals from our sponsor, Factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite factor meals, and Katie loved the herb-crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day, and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say, what a parenting win. (laughs) And I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour5050 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. So I launched it when Stella was, I think, about a year and a half old. Um, 
so yeah, it's been a few years now that I've been writing there. And, and mostly I admit, I write about what I need to hear myself say, you know, I write about what I need to do to take care of myself in all these seasons of early motherhood. Well, I, what I, what I love about your blog is you um, find a way to make practical something that is very kind of nebulous and hard to describe, which is deep self-care and sort of nourishing our deepest soul needs as moms. But I love the project manager in you because that's how my brain works too. (laughs) And you find ways to give practical tips or step-by-step solutions for these things that, like I said, are um, hard to describe in a lot of ways. And especially if you're in the throes of new motherhood, really hard to even name what it is you need. And so right. as we move through our conversation today, I'm going to read a couple read sections from one of your posts and talk about it. So just for our listeners listening right now, everything we talk about, we'll link up at themomhour.com. This is bonus interview number eight with Donia. So just that's where you'll go to find the things that we're going to talk about. But that's what strikes me as, yes, like you said, there's not a lot out there on the internet that really speaks to taking care of yourself in this fundamental way as a mom and you find ways to do it, write about it that are kind of deep and meaningful, but also very practical. Um, So I love that. Thank you. Uh, That's my goal. So that's really nice to hear. And it's just really cool that you've been been at it now for several years. So, okay. So you, at this point, were writing regularly. I know you had picked up some of your other creative passions like painting and knitting and cooking and you were taking care of yourself and writing about taking care of yourself and then something happened. Yeah, well a couple of things happened. So let me even back up from yeah. the things you're alluding to. So before um so I was writing along, you know, thinking everything was good and my life was steady and we decided we wanted to have another baby and so I got pregnant and then I miscarried. Mm. And I was devastated. Um And I was also in a car accident right around that same time. So it took some time to recover from both of those things. And then we tried again to get pregnant. I got pregnant again. And then I had another miscarriage. And um, through both of those things, my body just was so worn out. Mm -hmm. And I I was just having a really hard time. And so I took some time to get myself back on my feet, get my health back together. Um. And I thought things were going really well. And then uh, the thing you're alluding to, which was about a year and a half ago, I was diagnosed with breast cancer and I was 42 and um, I found a lump in my breast and I had put off my 40 year old mammogram because I was breastfeeding still at the time. And then I put it off a little bit longer because it was the holidays by the time it was, you know, I was cleared to do it. Um, and so I don't remember the timing exactly, but I think I found the lump just, uh, I had scheduled the appointment and then I found the lump and then I went for the appointment and they confirmed that it was bad. Um, and it was a very aggressive type of breast cancer, although we f- it was found very early, a very small tumor. It had not traveled anywhere else in my body, but um, it, it is a type of breast cancer that's very aggressive. So they recommended chemotherapy, surgery, and radiation. So, you know, the works. Right. Um, and it was intense. Yeah. Um, I'm on the other side of it now, but uh, I started radi- I started chemotherapy, 
I think six weeks after my diagnosis, maybe eight weeks after my diagnosis. Stella was how old at this time, your daughter? She was four. Okay. So Uh, she was really little. And and what I kind of want to go into here is really the survival that you had to, the survival tactics that you had to adopt to get through this treatment process. Um, You have a post on your blog called How to Get Through It. A yeah. brief guide for chemo patients. And it's I love this post because it's almost almost light in a way. I mean, there you kind of poke <laughs> fun in a couple of parts. Um, and it's also practical and it's also really, really personal. Um, I'm gonna link to it so so everybody can read it, but maybe use that post as a jumping off point for some of the things that you learned or, or things that you just had to do during that treatment process, um, to get by? Yeah, I think that, you know, one of the things I really realized through the process of being in treatment and being a cancer survivor now is that there is a, um, a view, an image that people have, who people who don't have cancer have Mm -hmm. of people going through treatment or surviving cancer. And it is of, you know, the woman wearing pink at the Avon breast cancer mm-hmm. walk, you mm-hmm. know, being being the happy, powerful survivor. And, you know, that's great. It makes us all feel good. But for most of us, that is not the day-to-day reality. Mm-hmm. And it made me really angry yeah. <laughs> that that was the image. Yeah. And I had that image too as a pre-cancer person. Right. So, you know, I, I get where it comes from. And also it's hard to imagine what it's really like until it happens to you. And in fact, right. even people very close to me in my life really don't fully understand what it was like for me, I think. Right. Um, it's awful. Yeah. And it was, I was so sick all of the time. Um, and every kind of cancer is different. I mean, I also want to say that, that every kind of, every type of cancer is different. Every type of breast cancer even is different right. and treatment plans vary quite a bit. Um, my particular kind of chemo was every three weeks and mm-hmm. you can tell, I now know you can tell how intense it is by how far they space them apart because okay. they give you yeah. about as much time yeah. to recover as you need. Right. Um, some people get chemo every week. So okay. I was getting it every three weeks, which can which tells you that it was it took me three weeks to recover from yeah. every single treatment. And the first week of that, I was in bed not moving because wow. I was so sick. Um, my hair fell out, you know, all of the classic things. Mm-hmm. My hair fell out, in, which means my eyelashes and my eyebrows and everything yeah. <laughs> fell yeah. out. Um, so yeah, how did I survive that? Well, um, I narrowed my life, mm-hmm. you know, telescoped in to the very essential things, which were my health and my partner and my child mm-hmm. and everything else fell away. Mm-hmm. I got a lot of help. Um, my mm-hmm. partner took time off work to stay with me um, for those for that first week of every cycle. Um, my mom happens to live near us. So she did a lot of childcare, um, picked up Stella from school as needed. Mm-hmm. Um, we signed Stella up for all the activities mm-hmm. over that. So I started chemo in June. So, you know, she was out not in school for the summer, but we yeah. signed her up for everything yeah. <laughs> so that she didn't have to be around me when yeah. I was that sick. And I didn't have to be, you know, feeling like I needed to do anything. Like I could just rest. Right. Right. 
Um, and then in addition to that, I mean, there's, there's all the general Western medicine things, you know, they give you all the drugs, but, um, I also did acupuncture every week and I did, um, cranial sacral therapy before and after every treatment. And I saw a dietitian who helped me adjust my diet in ways that was really supportive. So I got all the alternative care. I was taking lots of supplements, you know, I live in Santa Cruz, so, you know, I did all the hippie things, um, And I think it really helped, but it was also a great deal of work. So surviving cancer became my job. Right, right. Yeah, just taking up every bit of... Even above being a mother, honestly. My my partner took over as the main parent and I did me. Right, right. Um, I want to read just a a couple of these. This post is structured as, you know, how to get through it. So it's it's kind of a list um, and it's just very poignant. I'm going to read a couple of them that I love, but... You say, get used to the discomfort of other people doing things you feel like you should be able to do yourself, but actually can't do right now. Um, You also say, give yourself permission to be righteously furious and then give yourself permission to speak that fury out loud, but don't aim it at your immediate family. I mean, I I can't imagine, obviously, I have not gone through it, but um, the emotional side and then living in close quarters with a preschooler and your partner um, and their own process of understanding it, um, it just would, it would require, you know, being righteously furious at times. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the time. (laughs) A lot of the time. A lot of the time. Um, well, you know, most of our listeners are not going through chemo at this moment. Um, (laughs) but there are so many, so many people who are either touched by cancer in some way, through a loved one, or go through some other kind of pretty intense health situation, including sometimes related to motherhood, Um, you know, the loss of a pregnancy, you know, Mm -hmm. intense things postpartum. And so while I'm not, there's no comparing apples to oranges to pears with any of this, I do think we can kind of um, translate some of what you learned to getting through any kind of a season um, with our own health or our children's health in motherhood in that I think, like you say, narrowing, simplifying, and a whole lot of grace given to ourselves and those around us. Um, Anything, any, any other, has that occurred to you in any way, the way it kind of applies to other tough seasons of life? Yeah, Um, absolutely. I mean, I, I have been dealing with some anxiety, um, sort of in the aftermath of all this, there's mm -hmm. some other stuff that has happened in my life since my diagnosis that I've been dealing with. And so I had panic attacks for a while. And so, you know, I was, I've been reading about how mothers especially deal with anxiety in their life and realizing that so much of what I had learned during the time I was going through treatment really still applied to mm-hmm. help me get through this mm-hmm. new thing that I was mm-hmm. trying to deal with. Mm-hmm. And and I think that that's true of any big thing, you know, whether it's an illness or a divorce or just a rough patch in your marriage. I mean, all of these things are just places where if we practice really focusing on prioritizing what's right. most important right, right. now, right. we can get through them so much easier right. than if we just try to keep doing all the shoulds and right. I have tos. Right. Um, well, that's, that's a good transition into talking a little bit about self-care, which you mentioned at the beginning of our conversation. But um, when you when you talk about self-care and some of your posts about this are pre-cancer and some mm-hmm. are post- um, I love the way you kind of 
turn upside down our stereotypical notions of self-care, whether that's getting a pedicure or flossing your teeth every night. And you use the example of, um, I think it was during your treatment, at the beginning of your treatment, um, you put the same comfortable t-shirt on three days in a row because <laughs> it felt really good. Yeah. Um, and I, I also read somewhere that, you know, paying attention to what the physical sensations that are pleasing to us is absolutely a form of self-care, whether that's the music oh, totally. you're listening to yeah. or the socks that you're wearing or... So maybe just talk a little bit about that, your, your definition of self-care and how it differs from what we hear all the time in the glossy magazines. Yeah, I think that self-care really has to come with, from within. And I think that's, that's the, you know, that's the thing I'm trying to preach, which I don't always maybe articulate quite as well as I could. But I think that we know what we need and the practice is really learning to hear it. Mm. Um, for example, I woke up this morning and my back was really hurting. I drove home from San Diego after Thanksgiving and, you know, it took a couple of days, but now my back is like, hey, that was a really long yeah. drive. So my back was really hurting this morning when I woke up and, you know, old me would have gone, well, that sucks and just sort of gone about my day right. hurting. Um, but instead, what I did this morning is I sort of sat with it and said, huh, I wonder what I need today. So I, I said, well, I think I probably need to go to the chiropractor. So I got online and scheduled an appointment with my mm-hmm. chiropractor. I took an Advil. I heated up a rice pack, mm-hmm. you know, which in the middle of getting out the door on the way to school, that seems right. really frivolous. But, right. you know, I heated up a rice pack and right. I put it in the car right. while we were driving to school. And then I went for a walk in between dropping her mm-hmm. off and talking to you this morning and I feel a lot better. Right. Um, but if someone had, you know, if I'd said to someone, my back hurts, I don't know what to do. They would have probably said, well, you know, take an Advil and that yeah. would have been the end of it. Right. Um, or we wait that, until, or we just wait until, wait until our body go gets out <laughs> and then there's yeah. no other choice. Yeah. Um, so it's almost like, yeah, there's a badge of honor in, having your body demand it instead of listening to that voice that lets us know gently what we need. (laughs) Right. And that, you know, and, you know, waking up with your back hurting, that's sort of like a loud flag, but you know, there are lots of places where you can really listen um, and hear what you need. And I, and I, I have found that practicing this for myself helps me take care of my child better. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my habit of saying, wow, I feel kind of cranky right right now. Mm -hmm. I wonder what would make me feel better. And Mm -hmm. like going down my known list of things Mm -hmm. that make me feel good, like, oh, maybe I need some more sleep or maybe I should make some tea or Mm -hmm. um, maybe I'm hungry, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) whatever the things are. when my daughter starts getting cranky at me in a way that's kind of unusual for her, I can say, well, I wonder what she needs right right now. And I have the same list that I keep for her. And I, and I talk to her about it. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, we're vocal about, you know, and I say, wow, you're, you're kind of acting unusual right now. Mm -hmm. What, what's going on? You know, and Mm -hmm. we talk about it and she can tell me, I mean, Mm -hmm. she's not six yet and she can say, I'm tired. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm kind of hungry, you know? And and I feel sometimes when I have those conversations with her, I just feel like this amazing gratitude mm-hmm. that I have learned it in mm-hmm. a way that I can teach her yeah. because I didn't learn it until I was 40. Right, right. And if she knows it now, she's going to have that skill her whole life. Right. That's right. amazing. Yeah, that is that is really amazing. Well, one of, one of the things you write about um, 
that I think is part of self-care is creativity and passions that may or may not be part of your daily, you know, day as in, as a mother. Yeah. Um, I'm going to read by far the, my favorite passage of the things that you've written that we're talking about today. And it's a little bit long, but it's totally worth it for our listeners. Um, and it's about this story. We tell ourselves that pursuing passions or creativity is somehow secondary to our role as mothers. And this is whether you're working outside the home or, or doing the, the home life thing. Um, it applies. So I'm just going to read it aloud for a minute. It's from the middle of a post called How to Be a Passionate Mama. It is valuable for me to pursue my passions because when I am living passionately, I burn brighter everywhere in my life. I am more alive in my parenting and my mothering and even in my homekeeping. I'm more able to follow my child's interests where they lead and more willing to support my partner in his own outside of our home interests. Over and over, I run into this deeply embedded notion that because I choose to stay at home with our child, because I choose not to work in the traditional office-based way, that I cannot or somehow do not deserve to spend time doing anything else. I hear this voice saying, I don't have time for hobbies. I don't have time for naps. When my child is in childcare, I must be doing some kind of financially productive work to earn the privilege of that time off for me, which makes it not actually time off, just a different kind of work. Over and over again, I attempt to unravel that old idea and reprogram that, the voice because I really don't believe it, but it is very persistent. If you feel guilty taking time for your own passions, you are not alone. If you have trouble turning off your to-do list, you are not alone. Us mamas, we feel we have to do it all. Raise kids, have a career or a successful solo business, even, have a beautiful clean home, have a busy social life all of which leaves very little room for us, the real women who are so busy spinning all those plates and wishing we just had time to paint or read a book or learn a language just because we want to. But that voice tells us we don't deserve to take time away from all those other things to spend on ourselves. But let's try this. Let, let us stand together in overcoming that voice that tells us we do not deserve because we do. Mothers deserve to be autonomous, well-rested, passionate, and engaged people too. We deserve the time to learn new skills, pursue our curiosities, even simply to rest. Not every single thing we do has to be of service to our family. It is enough, really enough, if it is simply of service to you. So um, mm. I feel like that should be printed on T-shirts. <laughs> and, long, but yeah. <laughs> um, this is, I, our listeners, just for your background, Donia, um, a lot of them are newer moms. Um, you are almost six years in, and I'm eight and a half years in with a couple of younger ones. But um, this is so important for newer moms to hear, because wouldn't you agree that the pattern of denying ourselves those creative pursuits, it doesn't happen overnight, and it's not something we're aware of. We may have been into creative hobbies or done things before children. And it's not like we make a conscious decision to set those aside. It kind of sneaks up on you. And the longer you go, I think the harder it is to listen to this message that I just read aloud. So I think for our listeners who have young babies and toddlers, this is so, so important. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya Vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? 
Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves. So they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's chewable kids' vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay, Megan, like many of our listeners, I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately, and it always feels so good to get rid of clothes I'm not wearing, things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore. But you know what I realized? All of my Vionic shoes are always in the keep pile. They just tick all the boxes. They're cute, comfy, high quality. They last forever. And I love growing my Vionic collection, especially with the latest styles from their Vionic Vitals collection. The Vionic Vitals collection offers daily wear styles designed for elegance, comfort, and versatility. We both love the Uptown Loafer, which collapses flat, so it's perfect for travel. The Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, which I know you love, Sarah. The Walk 23 Classic Sneaker, which our team member Katie gets compliments on all the time. And the Willa Slip-On Flat, one of my favorites, which comes in 12 colors for any outfit. Yeah, I need to uh, get the Willa Slip-On Flat. That's next on my list. Well, listeners, if you're ready to try the shoes we're always raving about, use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Um, how has this, how has this manifested for you in particular, um, through, through the cancer treatment and now that you're on the other side of it, this idea of, you know, granting yourself permission for creative pursuits? Well, um, you know, it was interesting to have you read that back Mm -hmm. to me because I wrote that a few years ago and I still really need to hear it, you know? So that's the first thing I want to say about this is that it's a practice. And even though I write about it in a way that sounds like I totally have it (laughs) nailed, I do not. (laughs) I still struggle with this all the time. Um, So I think, I think what has really happened for me, especially since having cancer is that I, I have realized that this is not optional, mm-hmm. um, that this is not like, oh, wouldn't that be nice that I could do that? And right. especially, you know, in all of our world right now, mm-hmm. politics, talking about privilege and white privilege, especially, um, sometimes I feel very privileged that I can say I want to spend time doing something creative. Mm-hmm. But even if... you are living a life where money is tight and there is a lot of stress and worry, you still need to do something creative. And what that looks like is going to look really different for each of us, perhaps. Um, You know, it might be, you know, for me, I have a background in art. So for me, my main creative pursuit is making time to paint. Mm -hmm. And I, my big commitment to that 
um, was that I rented a studio for myself mm-hmm. last winter. Mm-hmm. So I had just finished chemotherapy. I finished in October and I rented a studio in November and it was sort of like, I didn't, I couldn't even comprehend how I was going to paint, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I still slept all day and (laughs) I couldn't, I didn't have any hair, you know, it was Mm -hmm. just like, I don't even know what this is going to look like, but it just felt so important for me to say to myself, this is part of who you are in your life after cancer, Mm -hmm. that you're going to be a painter. Um, So for somebody else, it might be, just taking half an hour on their lunch break to read a book mm-hmm. or write in a notebook. Or I, I mean, I find for me, the biggest juice comes from actually creating something rather than consuming something. Mm-hmm. So, you know, reading is lovely, but um, writing is the thing for me, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. the reading. Um, but that can be lots of different things. I mean, you don't have to be an artist. Right. And and sometimes I hesitate to talk about my creativity right. because, you know, people get very wrapped up in, well, I don't have an art degree and I'm right. not creative and da, da, da. well, okay, we're all creative. So yeah. stop right there. And it, and it we're all be, creative. Yeah. And going back to your post, it could be really anything that is of service yeah. to you. So if that is being outdoors with no one else tugging on your pant hems then that yeah, is it's, that it's, is what is of service to you or it's just space mm-hmm. to be you in the world exactly without um being something for somebody else in that moment just be with you mm-hmm. um you know it might be yoga it might be i i actually love cooking so mm-hmm. for me cooking from scratch is a creative act and you know i i'm a mom i've got to cook every night mm-hmm. anyway and So, you know, it could be just something I do, but if I infuse it with the love that I have for cooking, Mm -hmm. it feels different. And I I think it feels different for my family too, eating that food, but it really feels different for me. I've made my kitchen a really lovely place to be. I have twinkle lights and I have a padded thing, you know, a padded floor mat where I stand and it's Mm -hmm. comfortable and I have a great knife and a great cutting board. Like I've made Mm -hmm. it a really lovely place to be Mm -hmm. because it's important to me. And you've also given the space of time um, with using just Stella as being in childcare or preschool. I think one thing we try to do as moms is even if we say, yeah, 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 I really do want to, you know, have my time for myself or my creative pursuit or my hobby or my hiking or my yoga, we try to squeeze it in, in the same um, schedule and routine patterns of this life that we're living that isn't in service to that thing. Does that make sense? So the, yeah. And sometimes you have to do that. I mean, I mean, yes, in reality, not everyone can afford childcare. And sometimes you're, you know, the time when your children's going to be in school seems like a really long right. time away. I remember being yeah. there. My kid is never going to get to yeah. kindergarten. <laughs> um, but find ways, you know, yeah. trade childcare with another mom or go, you know, if you are a member of a gym that has childcare, Put your kid in childcare and then don't work out. <laughs> I, I do that, Donia. I do that actually like four days a week. So I'm a professional at putting my child in gym childcare. I use it for coffee day. I happen to yeah. belong to a, a gym that has great childcare and has like a coffee shop. And yeah, other. I really wish yeah. my gym had childcare. This it, doesn't actually work for me, but I could go to a yoga class. You know, I can yeah. put her in childcare and go to a yoga class. Yeah. So, you know, there are things that you can do if you look at it creatively. And sometimes, what you might need is an iPad and headphones for your child for 10 minutes. You know, I hate, I hate putting my kid in front of an iPad, but sometimes that's what I need. Right. 
and it's it's a tool that we can right. use and it doesn't have to be hours and hours it's not going to kill them right um but it's an option. I agree. I agree. Well, let's let's go deeper with this idea of creativity. And yes, you as you state, we're going to use your creative pursuits as an example, but understanding that this looks different for everyone. Yeah. I'm curious about you wrote about in a story about Stella, maybe you can tell the story about the mixing the Play-Doh colors, but you sort of describe yourself as a more like linear I don't know if type A is a word that you hate or not hate, but that you have that project manager um, brain and then you have this painter's passion. Has motherhood kind of helped helped you blend the colors? Do you want to tell the Play-Doh story and then kind of talk about how how that creativity continues to evolve as a mom? Yeah, so um, my daughter um, has had access to art supplies really her whole life. Um, and she is very free with them. So I think the story you're talking about in that post is that she got out some new, um, colors, some open, some new mm-hmm. containers of Play-Doh and happily mixed them all together, mm-hmm. you know, played with what built, whatever she was building that required several colors all mushed together. And then she went off to do something else. And I was trying to put the Play-Doh away and I was getting really annoyed about how the colors were all mixed up and I couldn't separate them to get them back in the correct containers. And she was going to, you know, have them all mixed up the next time she played with them. And then I I took a step back from my annoyance because this is now my practice. Like, Oh, I'm feeling really annoyed. What's going on right now? Um, and I realized that she really couldn't care less that the colors were mixed up at all. That was my deal. That was not her deal at all. Right. Um, and, and yeah, that, I mean, I think that some of that is personality, her personality versus my personality. Right. And some of it is also that I have taught her through providing her with art supplies and not giving her a great deal of instruction or right. rules around how to use them. Right. She has just learned that, they're not precious. And I, on the other hand, have learned through my experience that art supplies are precious. And partly that was because we were poor when I was a kid and we didn't get very many. And partly it was because I was poor when I was an art student and I didn't have very many. Um, But it has ingrained itself in my creative practice that things are precious Mm -hmm. and I'd better be doing really great art if I'm going to be, which is a really good supplies. way to stifle your, Oh my God, <laughs> yourself. Right. So the pressure I, of this. I better use these paints wisely. Yeah. A waste. I'd better be able to sell this painting when I'm done with it. Right. And I, it better be, have great meaning that I can put in an artist statement. Cause right. you know, I, you know, people hold up art school as the greatest thing is going to teach you to be the best artist. Mostly what I found from art school is it taught me color theory and a whole lot of rules, <laughs> <laughs> which I've been trying to unlearn for the last 20 years. So what do you do with that voice then that says this better be worth well, something? How do I, you, really, yeah. I really struggle with it. And yeah. sometimes I can get past it and sometimes I don't. I mean, I rented that studio last year and then I spent several months going to it and feeling like crap mm-hmm. while I was there. You know, I didn't know what to paint. I didn't know what to do. I didn't, I felt, you know, and, and right behind that, I don't know vo- part, mm-hmm. that feeling of, I don't know what to do comes, you should know, right? You've been trained at this. Yeah. You're, you, you you're supposed to know. Studio. You spent yeah. money on this. Yeah. 
you're, you are spending money on this studio, yeah. right? You've spent money on that degree. You've spent money on the studio. You spent money on all these supplies. You'd better produce. Yeah. Boy, that's freeing. Yeah. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, that's the right environment. Are there, I'm curious if there's different mediums of art that let you feel for my, for me, um, I very much the way you describe with writing, but podcasting, which is also creative and communicative. I have very few hangups. Like, I mean, our listeners know we don't really edit. We, we plan a little bit, but we're, it's very free both for Megan and for me in a way that I'm not with writing. I'm curious if in your different art mediums, if there's some where you, you can let that go a little bit. Uh, Well, I think there's a clue there for both me and for you, which is that podcasting is a conversation. Right. And there's, you know, there's somebody else there Mm. or there's something to respond to. Mm -hmm. And so what, I have discovered over much time and a considerable amount of angst, as well as some time in my therapist's office, I admit, um, is that I needed to relearn how to play with art supplies, which I had completely forgotten how to do over the years. And what I find works best for me is that when I paint with with supplies that I feel comfortable with, so for me, that's usually acrylic paint, mm-hmm. um, but I paint in a way that's very intuitive um, and playful Mm -hmm. and that I really get in touch with the process of the thing rather than the product of the thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I was listening to a podcast actually this morning while I was walking. Do you you know the Big Magic podcast that Elizabeth Gilbert? I listened to all of season one and then I kind of waited on season two. So I'm only maybe a couple. Yes, I was listening to, I wrote it down. Um, so your, your yeah. listeners can hear which one this is, but it was episode 204. So okay. it's the beginning of the new season. Mm-hmm. And um, it was about, a po- it was a poet. Okay. And she was talking about, um, oh, I think I maybe have lost my point now. No, we were talking about the different uh, mediums and um, feel, or learning play. to play again. Right. So the... The quote that I heard in this um, in this podcast this morning was from the poet that okay. Liz Gilbert spoke to. Uh-huh. So not uh, not the person the professional looking for poet, help, right? but so the, not, yes. not the person she was helping, but the yes. professional poet. And one of the things he said just in their conversation was this um, this comment to be a verb, not a noun. Mm. So he was talking about produce poetry, right. don't be a poet. Yes. And so for me, that has been. Like I needed to stop being a painter and just paint, you know, just relearn how to paint. And that meant playing and kind of figuring out what I like and don't like. So I have kind of followed um, the teachings of Flora Bowley, who's an artist and teacher in Portland. She's amazing. Um, And she teaches a very intuitive style. Um, She paints very big Mm -hmm. and in very many layers and each layer of paint is really just a conversation with the layer before. So there we are with a conversation, right? Mm -hmm. So it's just about me and the paint and what happened before and how can I respond to that? And that has really helped loosen me up in a way that has made painting fun. And now I'm producing paintings that I don't know that they have deep meaning still, but you know, maybe they do, but they're beautiful, yeah. you know, like I think they're beautiful and other people think yeah. they're beautiful. And, and like you said, the process that the verb part right. of it was as important as the output. Yeah. And I'm still not selling them because that's not really what I'm interested in right now. But 
I could sell, you know, I feel yeah. like these are paintings I could sell, you yeah. know, that they have potential. Um, but that's not really the point right now. Um, but one of the things that Flora talks about in her teachings, and this, you know, this kind of brings it back to what we were talking about self-care and the practice mm-hmm. of self-care is that when she paints in that way, you know, when she shows up to her canvas present and open mm-hmm. and with curiosity and strength, you know, fluidity, all of those things that help her to create in a way that feels good and is beautiful, those things flow into her life away from the canvas also. And it's really interesting. I mean, it's, it's the same kind of practice. It's mm-hmm. the practice of being present. And if mm-hmm. you can do it with a canvas, you mm-hmm. can do it with your kid mm-hmm. or your partner or your job or whatever else in your life. It's just a practice of being present. And attaching, attaching so much less to the you know, the outcome yeah. and trusting the process. Yeah. yeah. Oh, painting life metaphors. Yeah. <laughs> I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I'm not a painter at all, but I, yeah, I love it. Um, but well, I think, I, I think it's true of, you know, any, anything that you're creating, you're writing mm-hmm. or your dinner or, you know, yeah. whatever, if you can show up to it as you, as right. you are right now in this moment and practice being a better you right. in this moment, right. then your creation is going to go wonderfully and yeah. you will have more muscle to do that yeah. in any situation. Yeah. I love that. Um, well, let's return to talking about nurtured mama a little bit. Nurturedmama.net. Is that correct? I should. Yeah, that's there. correct. Yes. Yeah. Nurtured mama, M-A-M-A mama.net. And of course I'll link to that. Um, let's talk about what's next. This um, episode will air in the new year, 2017. And that's a time when, you know, whether you're a resolution maker or not, and I think you and I have both written and talked about that, it's definitely a time for possibilities and intentions. What's next for you with the blog or what do you hope your readers kind of come into a new year thinking about, talking about? Do you have anything that you're working on right now that will be coming up? Yeah, well, I don't have any big projects on the blog right now that I'm working on. I I do hope to have some new e-courses in the new year, but I haven't um, really sat down and flushed them out yet. So I can't I can't give you any um, promos promos on those (laughs) (laughs) as yet to be determined. Um, But I am really trying to focus my writing on um, more mindfulness and mothering. And you know, that sometimes that word mindfulness can really turn people off. Like, right. oh, I don't want to be a yogi, whatever. Right. Um, but it's really mostly about the same practice of being present, you know, that I'm talking about, mm-hmm. like, you know, if you can be present with yourself, you can be present with your children. And mm-hmm. so it's figuring out how to do that. Um, and still bringing my, you know, uh, project management background mm-hmm. to it because I don't think I don't think I can let go of that right um so you know I'm also writing about like how to make space for things you know yeah, yeah you want to have a creative practice but your life is really overwhelming so yeah. how do you make room to, right. for that right um you want to have a family dinner but your kids are all over the place in the evening so how do you do that right. you know so I'm really trying to give practical tools for solving right. those kinds of problems yes. while also keeping my eye on the bigger picture of what is it that's important, you know, what's important in your family, how to figure that out. What's your Um, favorite type of post or guide to write on your blog? Because there are, there is a, I mean, you have like, like you said, e-courses and very practical, tactical stuff. And then you've got beautiful essays there and on other, (laughs) do you have a, and I I guess I'm curious, this is like a self-serving question because I also, (laughs) my brain also works that way. I, I vacillate between 
essays and how to's and humor. And um, do you have a favorite, a favorite type of post where it just flows easily and you think this is what this blog is about? Um, you know, it's shifted over time, but mm-hmm. I also think that I have learned to accept in myself that I am not the same all the time. You know, I love writing those essays, the telling the stories of my daughter. There's a post somewhere on my blog about what will I remember? And it was about just this awful day that my daughter and I had right after time change. I think she was three years old and we just fought all day long. It was just awful. And then at the end of the day, the, you know, bedtime hour devolved into me yelling in her face yeah. that she had to stay in her bed and she <laughs> started crying you know yeah. oh my god and and it was how she responded and how I stepped out of myself to yeah. like recover that moment of really bad parenting um so I love writing those stories but you know those kind of come to me like a bolt of lightning. Yeah. So I can't really depend on them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, That's I true. wrote that one after she fell asleep that night. Right. Yeah. And, those can kind of flow and out I in 45 minutes. Kind sometimes. of how it came yeah. out of my head just yeah. like that. And you know, that's lovely, but that yeah. doesn't happen very often. Um, but I really, I really do enjoy writing the more practical list posts, you know, where, where I hear from readers, like I implemented this. Yes. And, worked like that's yes. awesome that well and that's so what your happy. natural your natural gifts as a project manager are not everybody thinks that way so that really can yeah. be a huge help a huge help to moms um and you also send emails from your blog right so I get your emails and yeah. I you went through you took a break and then you came back uh, I did um, it all during my treatment because you know Right. In my telescoping, that was, that just went by the (laughs) side. So yeah, I'm writing again, not super regularly, but yeah, I'm starting to write again. So yeah, I do encourage people to get on my email list. I write, um, I I send whatever posts I put on the blog, but I also send other emails about other things once in a while. Um, And I also have, if you sign up for my email list, I have what I think is a great little ebook that I wrote recently about how to get out the door in the morning with your kids in a peaceful way, which is everybody needs that, which everybody needs. And I use all these techniques in my house and they're really working and we haven't been late to school yet this year, which is is kind of amazing. Well, that's all the incentive. I'm sure our listeners (laughs) need. So we will post links to obviously your blog, the posts that we've talked about, and then the email list sign up too. Um, well, is there anything else with our, that you feel like you want to share with our listeners before we wrap? I just have gotten so much out of this conversation. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, I, I think just, you know, I'd love to hear from people. I'd love to yeah. hear, you know, what's your creative pursuit? What does that look like for you? Where are you struggling with it? You yeah. know, I'd love to hear from yeah, well, would let's, love yeah, to let's, engage with me more about it. Yeah, that is a great idea. So we'll, we always can get comments on the show notes for this episode. And then, of course, I will link and post on social media. You're, are you, would you say you're most active on Instagram? I feel like I interact. I am, yeah. Instagram is my big one. I do have a Facebook page, although I don't use it very often. I am also on Twitter. And yeah. again, I don't use it very often, yeah. but I'm there. So yeah. you can Well, always- our listeners, I think, are also um, pretty active on Instagram and that's a great yeah. place to continue. The yeah. So I'm, I'm Donia B on Instagram, D-O-N-A-B okay. on Instagram. Perfect. Well, Donia, thank you so much for spending this time with us and listeners head to the and look for all the wonderful links we talked about 
um, and Donia's posts and where to find her more. So happy 2017 to you. I'm Thank saying that you. from, we're not quite there as we record, <laughs> but when we listen back to this, it will be a new year. So yeah. thanks so much, Donia. Great. Thank you, Sarah. So good to talk to you. Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug. That is amazing. Erica, that's Erica with a K, is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug whenever they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. It's so cool how this works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Yeah, you know, teens really get that social media comes with risks, including addiction. And Erica helps them build healthy habits and self-regulation that will benefit them their whole lives. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Sarah, I started a Substack last spring just kind of as an experiment, and it turns out I love it. I'm treating it kind of like an old school blog, writing about things that are happening in my life. Megan, I've loved following your stuff on Substack, and I actually just really like Substack in general. You know, we've both been a lot less active on Instagram lately, and I'm finding that Substack scratches that itch to connect and create without all the busyness of a typical social media feed. So I would love it if Mama or listeners wanted to look me up there. I'm at meganfrancis.substack.com and that's Megan with two A's, M-E-A-G-A-N francis.substack.com.